Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary. Wow, buddy! You look healthy and happy. Veterinary surgeon and natural pet food pioneer John Burns knows the positive impact a natural diet has on our beloved pets. That's why he developed Burns Pet Nutrition. Hmm. Maybe I should try some of your pet food myself. Okay, okay. I'll start with a salad. For natural, no nasty, wholesome recipes, choose Burns Pet Nutrition. Available from veterinary clinics and all good pet shops across Ireland. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Crime World is brought to you in association with Manscaped, who provide an incredible, complete men's grooming experience. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools and is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. We have an exclusive offer for Crime World listeners, 20% off and free shipping with the code CRIMEWORLD at manscaped.com. And all organised crime groups rely on a core group. They've been picked away slowly by law enforcement, really. The paranoia comes from having to rely on people that he can't fully trust where before he had 20, 30 people and there was a sense of fear holding other people in check, a sense of also that, that they have to deal with this guy. That That is certainly departing now. And uh, yeah, it must be a lonely place. I'm Nicola Talent, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. He once enjoyed a lifestyle fit for a sultan in Dubai. But now Daniel Kinahan is running scared in his desert bolt hole and his €2 million Euro per month mafia wage bill is threatening to overwhelm him and turn his own against him. Cash flow problems, the arrest of his arch enemy Jerry the Monk Hutch deep within the Spanish territory he once controlled and his increased anxiety that he can trust just one last lieutenant are chipping away at the head of the Kinahan Organised Crime Group. This week, I'm talking with Sunday World Deputy Editor Niall Donald about the extraordinary rise of Daniel Kinahan and about his paranoid final days of freedom as the authorities move in. This is Crime World Extra, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Niall, we had a front page story in the Sunday World this week about Daniel Kinahan and how he is essentially living like a hunted animal in Dubai. He's moving from house to house every night. He's paranoid about everybody. He has just one trusted lieutenant left that is the go-between between him and everybody else. He has cash flow issues which are causing more problems for him. And he's probably realising that the end is nigh. Um, 
in particular since the arrest of his his business partner, Raphael Imperiale. But before we get on to that, I was thinking, let's go back to the summer of 2017 and hot summer in Dubai, of course. But that was the, the summer that Daniel Kinahan married Kiva Robinson in what has become a legendary wedding for many reasons. Um, not only because of the extravagance of the spend, but also because it was being monitored by the DEA. Yeah, if you look back at 2017 um, for Daniel Keenan's wedding, I think it's fair to say at that point, that was maybe the, the, the height of their powers. Um, I think there was a feeling uh, from them and maybe even from people back in Ireland that they were absolutely untouchable at this point. They were in Dubai. The authorities over there had shown no interest in in tackling the, the, the migration of Europe's top organised criminals over to there. They certainly were uh, had huge amounts of money and resources and they seemed to be able to direct not just Daniel Keenan, but also his his top tier associates seem to be able to direct their criminal gangs with impunity uh, from the law over there. They seem to have it sorted. They had they it it appeared they were technologically ahead of the authorities with with uh, untraceable mobile phones. And um, so it, it was a classic case of looking. It looked as if they'd gotten away with it, but a few years on, of course, it doesn't look like that. That they'd all slipped the net, and at that wedding uh, was. Rido and Taji, currently on trial in the Marengo trial in the Netherlands. Uh, Richard Elrico Vega, uh, the Chilean fixer who is serving 12 years now in the Netherlands after he was uh, extradited back there. Rafael Imperiale, arrested at the beginning of this month and currently in custody in the United Arab Emirates, awaiting uh, his, his extradition to Italy where he will go on trial. Um, and obviously friends and, uh, you know, family and people with nothing to do with organised crime are at that wedding as well. So it took place in the Burj Al Arab Hotel, which was uh, deemed by Forbes to be the most, actually the best hotel in the world, if you don't mind, not just in the in the United Arab Emirates, where I'm sure there's many's a fancy hotel. But... Um, it was offering um, taking romance to new heights, actually, the hotel. It was offering a helipad 200 metres above the gulf where the happy couple could land. Uh, a seven-star hotel. I've never, ever been to a seven-star hotel. I don't really even know what that means. I've done five-star, but seven-star are fairly rare. Um, weddings there start at 46,000, but it was estimated that Daniel Kinahan's cost 350,000. Um, and it happened while the gangland feud raged here in Dublin. Um, but interestingly, Kiva Robinson, the bride, um, she was somebody who I suppose was was used in a way to the underworld. Um, we knew a little bit about her, didn't we? Yeah, she, she had been in uh, a long-term relationship with uh, Michael Bicca Kelly, who who was was known as the panda for a while before he could be named. Um, 
Mikael Kelly was was from the the north side, from the Kilbarrick area. He was uh, one of Ireland, one of Dublin's most significant uh, drug dealers. He was initially involved with probably Georgie Mitchell, but had become over the years he'd um, become close to Daniel Keenan um, as well, and he'd spent a lot of time on the same trail as as a lot of these guys. He'd spent a lot of time in Spain. And uh, he'd become a, a, a wholesaler into Ireland and had been linked to many uh, gangland murders, it must be said, um, uh, as part of his, his, his drug dealing operation. But uh, he was in a long term relationship with, with Quiva Robinson and um, she had been with him uh, as a couple when he was shot dead on the north side of Dublin by the, by the real IRA. He was shot dead outside her apartment, I think, in Clon Griffin in 2011. And the, the pair of them had actually holidayed in Spain, in Marbella, with the, the Kinahan Organised Crime Group members of that on a numerous occasions. So um, Daniel Kinahan knew her from way back. Um, when we had heard that he'd started dating her, which was sometime around 2016, and before the Regency and after it, I think, and I recall we wrote a story in the Sunday World about it. And um, she took a complaint and said that because we had linked her to Daniel Kinahan, we were endangering her life. Now, clearly, she had no such concerns when she said, I do, that day in the Burj Al Arab, uh, surrounded by friends and families. A glittering affair, they said, a 10-tier wedding cake. Um, everybody invited was told no photographs, no social media. I think Tyson Fury, the boxer, was there and at one point he was told to take down a tweet he'd put up about it. Um, but other than that, there was very little information. Yeah, this is this had come to a, a different stage where at one point Daniel Keenan was uh, posting his lunches on, on Twitter and regularly put pictures up of himself as he went around his day-to-day business in in Spain. But by the time it got to Dubai, uh, that had come to an end. And, um, you know, Daniel Keenan, not only did he he, he uh, ask people not to take put on social media, he also famously took legal action against a publication in Dubai when they uh, published a story about well-known Dublin gangster Tamari in Dubai. This is a, a local publication. Um, who who then apologised for uh, blackening his his good name, ultimately. So, um, but you know, there's there's a thing about about Daniel Keenan that, although there would have been possible to get married in 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 a much quieter circumstances, there is a thing of this sort of cons- conspicuous display of wealth to invite all these these guys along at the top tier criminals amongst the ordinary people, and it becomes a way of 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 I think trying to show he he was untouchable and unfazed by by the the, re, the reams of of media coverage and the police attention back in Ireland and ironically um although there was all these rules and regulations about not using phones and and all the rest of it he didn't realize that the the wedding was being monitored by the DEA and similarly back in 2008 when his brother Christopher Kinahan Jr. married Georgina Karish in a ceremony here in Dublin. That was been monitored, not by the DEA at that stage, but by uh, the Irish Gardaí. 
who put an undercover operation on it and, and gathered quite a lot of information and suggested then that the Kinnahans had also used the wedding, had doubled it up as a crime summit, essentially. But anyway, we're really just revisiting that because I suppose it's just such a polar opposite to how he's living now. And in the years that have followed, he has, you know, stepped in and out of the limelight. He's stepped forward and back in the boxing circles. He's portrayed himself as a legitimate businessman. He's come back to, you know, to bite him when the media have turned on him and he's put the focus of media attention on himself and he's retreated again back to the shadows. But it's this kind of constant step forward, step back situation with him. But nonetheless, in the last, um, certainly this year, I think Daniel Kinnan is a very different man than the the confident organised crime figure that hosted that wedding. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the, the Raphael Imperiale arrest, um, you know, you see, I think, the you, you can see two things. The first thing is the, the obviously the Dubai law have decided to take a different approach um, where they were they seemed very reluctant to move on any of these guys. Now they've they seem to have come to the decision that this is bad for business, it's bad for PR, it's not sustainable. And in the case of Imperiali, which they never used to do, um, the Dubai uh, police uh, released a, a, a very snazzy, uh, well-cut, well-edited video of them uh, going into his house. Uh, and I think this is kind of unprecedented. Um, you know, the, and, you know, they also released details, you know, where he was living a very similar life to, to Daniel Keenan that he had been living in, in the Dubai Marina for a long period of time, but in recent times had now had been moving from safe house to safe house, carrying wealth with him, not going out much. And uh, I think, you know, that if you look back at that wedding, there was definitely a sense that, you know, that 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 these guys had, had, had reached a point where they weren't going to be touched by these guys in Dubai as long as they didn't, um, you know, which they didn't do over there, which is they didn't commit murders. They didn't, you know, engage in, in, in open criminality over there. They felt they were going to be left alone. And you can see now the Dubai officials, not just with the, the Keaton Organised Crime Group and their associates, but also with Australian criminal figures, Indian and Pakistani criminal figures, they've all started to be extradited en masse. And it must, must be an uncomfortable feeling for Daniel Keenan. And of course, Kinahan went there with the top level advice on how to sort of uh, get himself residential status there. I think himself and his, his wife have had a child since they've been there. He also set up businesses and involved... Um, Emirati locals in those businesses in in senior directorial roles. There's also some clauses in the law that if you um, don't hold the majority share within the business, if if a local Emirati holds that 51% share, for example, in your business, then you get residential rights and all sorts of things like that. Um, And all that worked in in his and others' favour for a long time. But yes, it does seem that finally the, the UAE are moving on um, these criminals. And obviously, the united effort of um, the, um, the, the, the international partners, including ourselves, the UK, the Netherlands, uh, the Spanish, 
the Americans, the Australians all coming together and, and that investigation that they have been working on as a united force is is culminating and is 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 quickly coming to its its final takedown. Um Kinahan, we know, has not only got problems with the idea that uh, all his buddies have been lifted and are now either in jail cells or are convicted already. But he's also trying to keep an enormous show on the road. His drug business, we understand, has a €2 million Euro per month wage bill. And that's not an exaggeration. It's an estimation that I would think is slightly below what the reality is. Um, and we know from, from, from sources back here and elsewhere that there are major cash flow issues. And they've stemmed from these huge, big um, seizures of drug shipments, including one recently that was nabbed in the Netherlands, um, a mothership containing 35 million euro worth of cocaine that was en route to Ireland. Yeah, so I mean, there's just no doubt that there's been uh, two areas in, in recent years that there's been huge success by the Gardaí. I mean, they've, they've tracked a number of international shipments of cocaine coming into Ireland and they have been seized. And there's also been a huge amount of hard cash seized by the Gardaí over, over the last few years. And... Um, like the the Keenan organized crime group was set up um almost like like a like a business although you know people can people talk I remember somebody saying to me organized crime like you wouldn't believe how in fact it is just really disorganized crime for the most part but the Keenans were different and they had they had like basically uh, executive managers and these people were were given a degree of protection um, they were given wages, they were given jobs, it was separated, it was organised. And um, so the, the organisation was hugely dependent on on, on these people. Um, and what you had over time is that, that um, although there's still huge money associated with Daniel Keenan, it's not as easy to get money back and forth to Ireland to pay these guys. And that's where a huge amount of the pressure is coming from. And obviously, um, there's a huge amount of court cases still to come before the court. There's a huge amount of witnesses or criminals that are associated with Daniel Keenan. And that must be the big worry that one of them, uh, that loyalty would, would that, that's omerta, as they, they call it in mafia circles in, a, in, in the US, would start to break. Um, but yeah, there's been huge uh, seizures. Obviously, that seizure um, in in the Netherlands, where it was it was cocaine, it was disguised using charcoal, um, which which was a way to to, to stop detection. Um, it was seized in obviously coming from from South America, but it was uh, it was the Gardaí's uh, intelligence that led it to be seized, and that was obviously due to land in Ireland. Um, in fact, it was seized in international waters and it was shipped then back to Ireland to, to, for, for analysis and everything like that. So it just shows the scale that maybe that there was other, that was a, a, a bought on, on between a few gangs, but it just shows the scale of, of, of um, what was still coming into Ireland. But the fact is, over time, it, the, the, the Kenyan organisation, which could sustain a large number of hits, but over time it has started to, erode 
uh, the ability of the corporate structure to function. Mm. And like we know that there's been a, a number of prisoners back here in Ireland who would be deemed low level, very low level by the, the management structure. And they have missed a few wages. They, we understand, are on 500 euro a week. Um, the money is is given to them for their silence, really, and supposedly for their loyalty and as a, a measure of how good an employer the Kinnahan Organised Crime Group is. Some of these guys are serving sentences, very long sentences. Some of them are serving life for murder. Some are, ser- are serving hefty sentences for, for money laundering, for, for gun offences, uh, for drug offences. Some of them are part of hit teams. They're disp- disposable uh, in so many ways to the Kinnahan organisation. Um, and... Yeah, the wages have, uh, there's been a problem with cash flow and the wages. Now, the dealers here, I, I remember being told, it being explained to me in detail, the setup of the, the Kinahan organisation and how it did work like that corporate structure. But the mid-level dealers were earning sort of a basic wage of 2000 per week. Then they seem to have got bonuses of cash payments of maybe, you know, expensive watches or, or cars even at Christmas, Easter and the summer holiday period. So they were kind of like, you know, if they sold, you know, if they, if they, if they were selling well and there was no problems, they'd get a bonus in the same way a, a corporate worker would. Um, there's some sort of more senior employees who are operating at a higher level um, throughout the Netherlands, throughout other parts of Europe and in, in, in Switzerland, where uh, some of the money laundering is done and on the south coast of Spain. And they could be earning up to about 60,000 per month um, before those bonuses as well. So it all adds up. And that's before the lifestyle is paid for. And as we've seen with so many of these um, large drug lords, not just Irish or, or European ones, but even the South and Central American ones, it just... The, the, the wage bill and the cost of the lifestyle just becomes, even for these billionaires, it becomes absolutely untenable. Yeah, I mean, it's, I suppose it's it's comparable to, to, to ordinary businesses that they rely. There's debt, there's, there's, you know, mortgage payments for ordinary business, but they're all dependent on a certain level of cash flow, of money just flowing through the system. And, you know... Um, if there's a huge, if there's a serious break in that, it can cause a chain reaction. So this is this is what they're facing. It's not, and of course, the other thing is that it's become harder. I think to get big big amounts of cash in and out of in and out of the country. I think that's just a fact. And you've seen a degree of that as well to do with COVID, to do with Brexit, all these types of things. Just the the the, the logistics of importing stuff in and out of Ireland has become more difficult. So, but um, yeah, it's it's suppose it's like um, in in Narcos where you saw, um, if you watched it, you see. I know it's a fictional portrayal, but you see Pablo Escobar in his final days. It's cash flow that really starts to get at him. Um, he can't pay these guys off. He can't get. He can't get the business. Keep the business going as the attention goes on and on, and obviously it be, it puts huge pressure on the person at the very top of the Christmas tree, you know? For sure. And um, yes, it's that slow squeeze, the years and years of of, of the, the various police forces working together, chipping away at this organisation that will ultimately be um, what will dismantle it. Um, 
Daniel Kinahan, we know, is paranoid, as he probably should be at the moment. Um, you know, these intelligence-led police operations are exactly that. In other words, they've been tipped off and there wouldn't be that many people who would be privy to the details of 35 million euro worth of cocaine being shipped across the globe. Um, even down to the lowly level that we're at ourselves when we're getting information, um, people are talking, aren't they? And, uh, you know, people are moving away. And I'm told that a lot of people who are involved in serious organised crime who would maybe be operating under the radar internationally, they're beginning to move away now too and they don't want dealings. Kinahan has just one person left he trusts and that's Sean McGovern. Now, an unlikely um, sidekick, you know, from, I suppose, pre-2016, but somebody who became almost a blood brother to him in recent years. Yeah, Sean McGovern was obviously... uh a well-known figure in organised crime in Dublin, and um, his but his 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 route into criminality, of course, would have come through uh, the Burn organised crime gang, which is kind of an offshoot, really, of of the Keenan um, uh, uh, group. And um, he would have been Sean McGovern would have been childhood friends with with Liam Burn, would have been registered as owning businesses with Liam Burn, would have been heavily involved in in. Uh, Laundering money through um through car sales with Lean Burn, um would have been named in cab proceedings as as their kind of chief lieutenant, um but as the uh, as the feud went on, the Burn organised crime group and the Keenan organised crime group certainly had a parting of the ways to a degree anyway, and um, they certainly don't seem to have where they were one unified organization that seems to have come to a pass or come to an end and McGovern sided with Daniel Keenan and um he was wanted for he was wanted for questioning involved you know in connection with various crimes in Dublin and moved eventually moved to to Dubai um and became uh, the right hand man of Daniel Keenan mm. I mean he moved full time I think to Dubai in the aftermath of the murder of Noel Duckegg Kerwin, who was the monk's friend who stood beside him at the funeral of his brother, Eddie Hutch, uh, shortly after the Regency and uh, who was marked man from then, by all accounts. He had no involvement in, in the, the Hutch organisation or in organised crime, but was shot dead simply because he was a friend of the monk. Um, so McGovern is there and has been there since then, hasn't returned to Dublin uh, his ho his home in Crumlin was seized, and I think we were were furnished with some video footage of the inside of that home, which was while there was a lot of uh, silver wallpaper and lighting, it was still a pretty ordinary, um, you know, three bed semi D house. Um, I'm sure where he lives now in Dubai is a far cry from that, and uh, his life has been fairly. You know, his lifestyle certainly has been uh, similar to, to Daniel Kinahan's in all that, in all those years since. But uh, nonetheless, I wouldn't like to be either of them now. I wouldn't like to be in their shoes. I imagine the pressure on Daniel Kinahan must be absolutely phenomenal. And in a way, you'd wonder, even somebody like him, will his arrest be a relief? Will it be, you know, at least an end to something? And, um, 
you know, will it be a relief to other people around him? Because uh, I'm sure it's not nice looking at anybody being under that much pressure and 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 feeling that completely paranoid and, and trapped. Yeah, I mean, it's it's you know, it's I suppose it's there's a certain sort of narrative of organised crime figures, and I mean, it goes. You know, you see it in all the Hollywood films, but you see it in all, you know, if you if you read about the life, the life of these guys in, in books or whatever, it follows a certain pattern. And, you know, who knows what the future holds, but it really seems that Daniel Keenan is following that pattern as well as, you know, as people, the people closest to him that, are, you know, and, and all organised crime groups rely on a, a core group. They've been picked away slowly um, by, by law enforcement, really. And as he gets more and more alone, it must it, the paranoia comes from having to rely on people that he can't fully trust. And I suppose that's why he has become so reliant on Sean McGovern, because he does have somebody there that he that he believes he can trust. But the where before he had 20, 30 people and there was a sense of fear holding other people in check, um, a sense of also that that they had to deal with this guy, that that is certainly departing now. And uh, yeah, it must be a lonely place, um, but time will tell. And added to it, of course, when Jerry the Monk Hutch was arrested in Fungarola, which was once um, an area controlled by Daniel Kinahan and an area where nobody would have been able to hide out without his his knowing. Um, and it appears that Hutch has been living down in that area of, of Spain for a long, long time and making connections and... Um, you know, there would also be fears down there that associates of his have been have been putting together dossiers of uh, Kinahan's associates down there and would know all their movements, would know where they live, would know everything about them. Um, so, you know, their fear has always been if the Hutch faction strike back that it will be Spain where they will, will do that. But nonetheless, we'll, we'll, we'll watch this and um, await news maybe the next major news from the United Arab Emirates won't be won't be that long away Niall Donald thank you very much thanks very much Nicola from sundayworld.com this is Crime World produced by Ian Mullaney available online and on all podcast platforms if you enjoyed this podcast please leave us a review and if you want to get in touch check out our Facebook page Crime World with Nicola Talent Crime World is brought to you in association with Manscaped, who provide an incredible, complete men's grooming experience. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools and is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. We have an exclusive offer for Crime World listeners, 20% off and free shipping with the code CRIMEWORLD at manscaped.com. Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take the Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume the Sunday world if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume the Sunday world responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary.